spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked when the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. At arm's length. To the line, Hughes scores! Here, like I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in in Valentine's Day. Wow, we should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores. Don't waste all the good stuff on the off-air, let's go. Hello Canucks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. My name is Chris Faber and thank you for joining us this week. Canucks Conversation is presented by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Be sure to check them out, ZephyrEpic.com and Zephyr Epic on all the social medias. It's, uh, it, there's, I mean, you can't hunt for a new rookie Quinn Hughes card, but you can still buy last year's cards if you want to go Hughes hunting. You can, you can do some Hughes hunting. And apparently, man, I'm telling you, those Alexis Lafreniere rookie cards, they're going to be hot. Could be pretty cool. He's you, a top end prospect. You mail him in, eh? That's pretty. You mail it in, you get one. Speaking of top end prospects, we have a top end guy to talk prospects on this week's episode. Cam Robinson from Dauber Prospects and Elite Prospects joins us. Uh, that's going to be an awesome conversation. That's going to be a bulk bulk of the episode. I think twenty plus minutes with Cam. Uh, probably the best guy to talk prospects with. I think. Damn, I really thought you were going to say. Speaking of top prospects, it's time for me to introduce my co-host David Quadrelli. Nope. Uh, I'd like to let you introduce yourself. Hi show. guys, I'm David Quadrelli. Joined by David Quadrelli here Chris's in the studio. Chris's boss at Canucks Army, by the way. Yeah, apparently. Which Clay brought up a few times in our conversation. Clay, you move at Canuck Clay on Twitter. We had a yep. little conversation. He's like, so you're Chris's boss. I'm like, yep, yep, I am. Yeah, say it again. Keep Louder saying it. for the people in the back. Also, that tweet you put out, what what was it? Ad, ad nauseum? You thought it was at nauseum? Yeah. Really? Yeah, at nauseum. And then tell everybody, share with the share with the listeners how you think cupboard should be spelled. I spelled cupboard that way because maybe it was from my Sask like my Saskatchewan family raising me the way that they say cupboard. Like, oh, put the you put the dishes away in the cupboard, the cupboard, the cupboard. I'm saying Where it three times. Where are you times. This tea from? That's how Sask- cup- Saskatchewan cupboard. people say it. It's a cupboard. Nobody says. Go put the dishes away in the cupboard. No, they don't, but they say it faster. They say cupboard. Cupboard. 
Bird. Nobody says cupboard. It's cupboard. That's okay. what I'm saying. I've had enough of this conversation. The English language is the worst language out in the world. That's fair. That's fair. I've heard that from a lot of non-English speakers that and like learn it. You know, it's like and this, very difficult to learn. This cupboard situation is exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. Well, you got some good I, I replies think... too. Why is why is it goose to geese and moose not to meese? Yeah, I guess. Literally I've... the same word with one letter yeah, change. Sure. People, I got a big I, problem with the whole English language. I don't know even know why I write articles anymore. Yeah, that's that's funny that you say that because people were tagging me. They're like, I feel bad for your editor. And I was like, yeah, you should. Yeah, and you <laughs> threw my name out to Clay right off the bat when you said, Who's the, who do you have to do the most editing on? Okay, but then I pumped your tires for like five minutes. Should have been ten minutes if you asked me. <laughs> but let's get into some connection talk. Yeah, we have lots. Well, there's not a ton of news, but there are some things that come out. I def- definitely yep. think the one that we want to talk about, and by the way, we're back to two shows a week. That's right. You're getting an episode Woo. here on Wednesday. We haven't really locked it down, but I think Wednesdays are going to be the day. Tuesday, yeah. It might be Tuesdays sometime. Well, this um, is going to come out on Thursday, isn't it? No, this is coming out. You're you're editing this and releasing this tonight. Oh, okay. So this is out Wednesday. You can listen to it Thursday morning. Whenever you're listening to it, hopefully you're enjoying it that we're back to two shows a week. Not a lot of news, but I think that the one big one that I want to get into is something that, you know, it's it's kind of like the third thing on people's minds right now. Everybody's talking about the Jacob Markson contract and the situation with the goaltenders and Thatcher Demko and all that. Seems like everyone else is talking about the Jake Vertanen conversation. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be back? But the other one that's kind of the third thing on Canucks' minds right now is Tyler Toffoli and if he's going to re-sign with the Vancouver Canucks because, or I guess sign with the Vancouver Canucks since he's never signed a contract with them in the first place, but... That's that's what I want to dive into a little bit here before we get to the conversation with Cam Robinson, which, by the way, is going to be the bulk of the episode. Um, there was some news uh, recently from SportsCenter 650. Irfan Gaffar was on there, um, and I guess the number that he floated out there was 4.8 for four years could get the job done. That sounds excellent to me. That sounds like a tidy piece of work by Jim Benning and his crew. It really does, and I think for a Tyler Toffoli, who's 28 years old, you know, four years takes him to 32. You're yep. not getting to that age of 34 where yep. guys really start to decline. I know that, you know, players decline after 30, but getting to age 32 doesn't sound too bad. And doing it at $4.8 million, the number that was floated out there on Vancouver Radio, I mean, that's... I find it hard to believe, to be honest. Yeah, like, that's why I say it's a tidy piece of work. Like, when we talk about the Foley contract and we talk about the Marshroom contract, even hell, even Tanev, all of the UFAs have something in common, and it's that the Canucks can't afford to lock them up for long-term deals. Like, it, you just can't. And, you know, Kevin Woodley was on the show last week. Excellent conversation. He was saying, with the way the goaltending position fluctuates, you just can't handcuff yourself to Markstrom for more than four years when you're looking at Archer C. Loves, Michael DiPietro, Thatcher Demko, all these guys coming up. When you're looking at that, you just can't. You just can't afford to do it. And when you look at Toffoli, it's the same sort of thing, right? Like we have Pod Colson coming. We've got Niels Hoaglander coming soon. When we look at that, right? When we look at what the Canucks have to do here, they have to make sure that this is a deal that kind of bridges that gap, right? Bridges that gap till those guys are like perennial scorers. And by well, the not way... Even, not even perennial scorers, but ready for a top six role. Yeah. Because both and, those players that you just mentioned, Pod Coles and Huglander, they can both play in your bottom six. Yep, totally. And we'll get to the in, later in the conversation with Cam. Cam thinks Pod Colson could have played in the bottom six last year. Yeah, totally. So with that in mind, okay, let's look at four years, right? Say Pod Colson comes... Uh, I guess he'd come at the end of this year, so that'd burn a year off his ELC. But... Then when you're looking at signing Pod Colson to that big deal that he's likely going to get, right? And I know we're looking like four years down the line here. But <laughs> well, that's, that's what the contract for exactly. Toffoli is going to end up being. Exactly. So, yeah. so you'll have one or two years left on the Toffoli deal when it's time to sign Hoaglander, when it's time to sign Pod Colson, right? Like that's going to be beneficial for the Canucks because let's assume they've got 
25, uh, math, 25, 26-year-old Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes, both on deals north of $10 million. Like, that's going to be massive to have to fully coming off the books at that time, right? So make that five years, all of a sudden, you're looking at having to trade one of these guys. And when I say one of these guys, I mean one of your big ticket guys. Like, you're, you're looking at trying to trade to Foley, and who knows if he'll decline. Like, you just don't know, right? So, I mean, I've seen a lot of interesting takes out there. Jack, a listener of our show, Jackson, was... Uh, had it had a really good point about Patreon supporter, Patreon supporter, great guy. Uh, he had a good point about how you know, like how many middle six, top six wingers do you need, right? Like, assuming they bring back Josh Levo, assuming you know Pod Colton works out and this stuff, like it, it makes sense, right? And you've got Brock Besser, so I don't know, like, what do you think about the fully deal? Because I here's here's my take on it. If it's at that number, four point eight for four years, and that gets it done, I take that every day of the week. First of all, Jack's been a long time listener to this show. Hell yeah. He does have some good points, but I know a lot of the time, and I know he's going to hear this, he is just stirring it up. I know what he's doing. There's times where he just sends a tweet. I know he's just trying to stir it up. So, Jack, I, I, I we're on to you, man. But whenever you whenever you post something about Bud Colson, you're like, he's not getting a lot of ice time. I always, like, I'm tempted to tag Jack. Like, Jack, tell everybody what this means, because, like, we've gone back and forth quite a bit about Bud Colson, because, yeah, it's it's, yeah. yeah, it's a fun We've time. got the DMs of Jack. Good guy. <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, looking at looking at this deal, looking at the one that's floated out there, like this is better than the perfect deal I would have measured. Like I, I mean, the perfect deal for me is probably three years at five to five, to be honest. Yeah. Like that's the perfect deal for me. If you get him for four at four, eight, that's a better deal than my perfect deal. I think. Well, is it because, you know, keeping in mind what I just said about pod Colton and Hoaglander, right? Like that three years is a lot easier to move out. If you have one year left at 5.25 and you've got to move that out to make room for Pod Colton and Hoaglander's next contracts. And I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves here just assuming these guys are both going to be big tickets when they're done their entry-level contracts. But, you know, keeping that in mind and the future in general in mind, right? Like the future of this core, like does it make more sense to get them at three years for 5.25 than four at 4.8? Because I think that's a conversation we could have. Like, mm. I... I I don't know. Like I, I, think I really that's the thing that people yeah. are looking at the cap and they're saying, okay, these big money deals are going to be bad. But like if you had Jay Beagle for two years at the money he's making of $3 million or Antoine Roussel at two years at $3 million, it's not the worst contracts. Right. But the problem is the term. Right. So that's, I yeah. guess what you're, what you're talking about yeah. with Tyler to is $450,000 savings. If it were to be $4.8 million compared to the 5.25 that I just mentioned, I mean, if you are giving a little bit more money to pay the one year less on the contract, I do think that a lot of the situation of the Vancouver Canucks cap problems could have been solved with term. If Louis Erickson wasn't signed for six years, if Brandon Sutter didn't have a three-year contract at four point, whatever he's making, 4.37. And the same thing with Jay Beagle, same thing with Antoine Roussel, Michael Furlan, all these guys, the, the, the contract money isn't bad with the Canucks situation that they were in. Like some of it's bad, right? I mean, you don't want to pay a fourth line center $3 million. Yeah. You don't want to pay a guy who played on your fourth line right wing and Brandon Sutter, four point whatever million dollars he's making. 4.8. But the problem is the term. And now you're stuck with these guys for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it does bring up a good conversation of Tyler Toffoli being more valuable at three years because yeah, potentially when you have pod Colson and Huglander ready to push for a top six spot, if you are able to trade, you know, a, a guy like Tyler Toffoli to maybe get you another pick to keep on, you know, re reducing that prospect pipeline, you know, like what could Tyler Toffoli potentially be worth when he's 32 years old and maybe the Canucks are in a, maybe a little bit of a down year. Maybe they're struggling to make the playoffs. I don't know. I think they're on the up right now. So it's, it's a conversation that is a very long time away, 
But yeah, I think you have to think about this and you have to have these conversations when you're thinking about giving a guy a four-year deal or a three-year deal or potentially a five-year deal, right? I mean, like maybe Toffoli wants a five-year deal to take him into, you know, his, his close to mid-30s at 33 years old. I think that's what he would look like. That's what he would be looking for on the open market. He obviously wants to stay in Vancouver yeah. from what we saw, yep. but the open market, he probably gets five at 5.5, right? Like that that's not a stretch, I don't think, and to say. No, it's not. You're absolutely right. But to me... That's borderline too much for the that Canucks. That is too much. That's yeah. too much for the Canucks to it's sign. It's too much term, and the money is... It doesn't make sense. Doesn't it doesn't make work. Sense. You're right. It doesn't work for the Canucks and the Canucks' current situation, right? And I mean, you know, at a certain point, you have to be ready to walk away from these guys. Like, somebody asked in the mailbag this week, yo, what would you think about the Canucks signing Jacob Markstrom to a 6 by 6 I'm like, I think that's a terrible move. I think that's setting them up for just cap hell in the future. I think that's just a horrible... Like, I can't stress enough, like... If it gets to that point, and it's not going to, there's no way it gets to that point. Like you have to walk away from Jacob Markstrom. You just have to. Oh yeah, yeah. 100% like if, if it gets that. anywhere near that, you have to walk away. Yeah. You if the number starts to. with six, and that's a years yeah. or dollars, you have to walk away from that. Yeah. I think. Yeah. If you can well, get Jacob Markstrom somewhere in four years, that's what you know. Three yeah, or four yeah, years, yeah. depending on the cash, is is someone that you can get with, but. I think going even to five years, five years is where I kind of draw the line too. I mean, hmm. you think about the way that they're signing these players lately and, you know, Jim Benning loves giving the extra year, it seems like, when he gives contracts to guys. And I think that Jacob Markstrom's definitely earned himself a big contract. I just don't know if he's, like, he's earned the, he's earned the spot right now in his career where he should get paid. He should have long-term on that contract deal. It just doesn't line up nicely with the Canucks situation. No, it doesn't. And but he's going to get paid. He is, but I don't know how much, how dangerous is Jacob Markstrom in Calgary without Ian Clark? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to stir the pot and say, yeah, he's going to go sign somewhere and he's going to turn into what, what happened with Sergey Bobrovsky, but it could happen. Like Kevin Woodley talked about the if importance it's of a goalie If it's going to happen to a type of player, it's a goalie that it happens yeah, to you, exactly. Right? I mean, it happens to forwards. It happens to defensemen yeah. with the sheet, maybe with the scheme that they're playing in, but it happens to goaltenders more than anyone. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, right? Like, Sergei Bobrovsky's still a really good goalie. Like, Woodley was sure to point out that, like, Florida's defense is abysmal, right? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the Canucks aren't much better, but <laughs> the Canucks also have E. Clark to help them mask those holes with the goaltender like Jacob Markstrom, right? And, I mean, even Demko. Like, they started to play defense in the Vegas series, which was a nice sight to see, but even Demko had to bail them out so many times, right? And I don't know, like, how much how much impact is a goalie coach going to have? Because, you know, if they do end up having to walk away from Markstrom, and to be, to be perfectly clear, like, I don't, want, I don't think they should walk away from Markstrom. I think that's a bad move going next year. I don't think it's going to work out for them. I, I just don't. Like, this. Woodley said it. Like, the savings you're going to get isn't going to be enough to adequately repair the defense to a point where it looks decent to the point where you don't need Jacob Markstrom to mask yeah. all the holes. I just it's, don't think it's going to happen. It's it's a tough uh, it's a tough transition to try and talk about something else and then just dive down this rabbit hole that is the Canucks goaltender yeah, situation. Yeah, holy cow, how much time uh, have we... But if oh. you guys want to hear it and you didn't hear last week's episode, that's the one for the goaltender conversation. Yep. Literally, the name of the episode is Goaltending 101. Uh, we're joined by Kevin Woodley in that one last week. Go check out that one, but... I think we should get to our interview now. I think we should. Let's with, try not uh, to get too much into this. With Cam Robinson, because we're going to dive into the Canucks prospects. We talk about potential draft picks. Um, if they're going to draft a Faber is what we get, get started <laughs> with as well. Uh, so we're going to get to that conversation now with Cam Robinson. All right, guys. Joining us now, the director of film scouting for Elite Prospects, managing editor of Dauber Prospects as well. You know him from the gifts. You know him from the analysis 
of tons of prospects coming in. And specifically, we're going to talk about the Vancouver Canucks prospects today. Cam Robinson at hockey underscore Robinson on Twitter. Cam, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing well, boys. How are you? We're doing very well. We're excited to talk to you about the Canucks prospects that they already have. And of course, all those prospects that they can pick in the third round, because that's when they pick. So for you, like I'll start it off there for you. Is it kind of different for you when you get all these Canucks questions and you're not really able to talk about guys in the first or second round? Because, you know, they could trade up, but presumably their first pick is going to be in the third round. Yeah, it's uh, hashtag bad for my brand when the Canucks trade their uh, their early picks here. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it is. It is. It's funny. Like the the phone doesn't ring as often for the radio to uh, to chat when when the drafts inching up and things like that. Locally, obviously, when the Canucks aren't picking to the third round, nobody really cares. They're just hoping that maybe you could mine one player from that draft, and that's realistically would be considered probably a success for this club if they can leave twenty twenty if they don't add any more picks with just one NHL player. So. The excitement levels dipped considerably, but you know, uh, to have a couple of rounds of playoff fun there, it, it's fun for the fans, and, and I'll handle it. And you know, maybe I'll get lucky and they'll take a step back next year. Just mostly kidding. <laughs> get right back into it. I, I'm curious because there's a name that's been floated around a little bit around the third round pick. He's got a somewhat of a relation to myself as well. Brock Faber. I want to ask about Ken. <laughs> Is he going to be there in the third round so that we can have a Faber in the Canucks organization? Man, well, if you're asking me, if I'm up there making calls, you know it won't. He won't be sitting there in the third because I've got him on my first round board. Wow. So uh, I'm a big, big fan of Brock Faber. Yeah, I think I've got him like 23, 24, something like that. I might be the highest public list on him, but I love that kid. He's uh, new age defenseman sort of thing. He he skates very, very well. Like he's you know bordering on a, on a high end NHL skater already at his age. Just a breakout machine. Really loves to transition the puck with his pass and skating. He won't wow you with offensive creativity or probably put up a ton of points, but he's he's one of these guys that processes game quickly. Safe play, smart play, skate for days. Yeah, if they can actually land Brock Faber in the third round, that they uh, they'll definitely be getting a thumbs up from me. I'm sure we're going to ask you about a lot of potential picks that the Canucks could make in the third round. But one thing we've heard, and I think it was Thomas Drance that reported it, was that the Canucks could be looking at taking a goaltender in the third round. Do you have any idea what goaltender they could be talking about? In the third? Geez, right off the top of my head. I mean, oh, God, there's there's going to be a few. You never know with goalies, right? We always see a goalie run on the second day. Um, So, you know, rarely we'll see a goalie get snapped up on day one there and if he does he's probably a, a high-end guy like Askarov will go you know top 15 this year Spencer Knight went top 15 the year before mm-hmm. um and then usually day two comes around and we're looking at pick 35 pick 45 and all of a sudden somebody makes a move and takes a goaltender and then all of a sudden the everyone's kind of clamoring at the bit and uh Phil Povich and I always joke that as soon as one goes that everybody feels like okay fine the trump card's been played we can all play that season now too so uh, and then you see a run of four or five in the next 10 picks. So, you know, there's a couple guys I like. I like Kelly Klang. Um, I think he's an interesting player. You know, Jan Bednar has had a, his stock was higher throughout the season and has kind of slipped down as, as we've gone along. Um, I'm, uh, I'm spacing on the kid's name, the, uh, the goaltender for the program this year, an American guy. It's right there on the tip of my tongue. I don't, I should have my, my list in front of me. But yeah, there's going to be a few goaltender options. I Camesso, think that's fine think. for Vancouver. Yeah, Camesso. Thank you. Um, through Camesso. So, you know, I probably wouldn't be using my third round pick as my, the first one if I'm, you know, my first pick in the draft in the, on a goaltender this year because, you know, the, they have D.P. coming up. They should, if, if we have our way, have Demko sticking around. So they've got a couple of young guys there. You know, they got a couple of flyers they took the last few years, too, in the, in the later rounds. I'd wait until the fifth, sixth, or seventh round if I were them unless 
unless there's someone that they really love and have earmarked as a potential starter down the road that's sitting there at 77 or whenever they're picking. Mm-hmm. And I, I find it interesting. Like the draft is such an interesting thing, especially for Canucks fans. Cause it's been, like you mentioned, you get all the radio hits, you get a lot of props and people are coming at you all the time on Twitter with, you know, who should they take 10th overall? Who should it be the fifth overall pick or even a second round pick? Like when they're picking high in the round, everybody wants to know, but this, this third round situation for the Canucks brings up an interesting conversation because it's like, I'm I'm curious how you would look at this, Cam. Like, do you go for a defenseman? Do you think in that situation, or maybe a winger that's playing in a lower league, like a a Finnish league that might not get so much attention, or something like the AJHL? Like, are there some players like that that you kind of want to take a take a flyer on if it's your first pick in the draft? You know, it's it's difficult to say because I could see the appeal of you're not picking to the third round. You know you're not walking out of there with an A-graded prospect. So do you just take a big old swing mm-hmm. on somebody who has a nice ceiling but an extremely low busting floor sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Do you just go big and go, you know, Michael Benning out of the AJ and, and, and hope he figures it out or can skate a little bit better? Or do you go and you, you, you say, you know, we want to pull an NHLer out of this draft. So let's take every crack at all these high floor kids. So, you know, are we are we drafting overagers that we think we can plug into the American League next season and, and maybe they're going to be a fourth liner? Um, and, and at least you get some tangible, something tangible away from the draft. If it's me, I'm sticking to the list. You know, you make those lists, you hope the GM gets you some earlier picks so that you can, you can grab maybe an A or a B-level prospect. But if not, you take the best guy on the board. And every year, right, talking to these guys, these scouts on the player on the team side of things, is that, you know, they'll be picking in the 70s and they're getting a guy who on their list might be in the low 30s. Because once you get outside of that first round, everyone's list is going to be demonstrably different. Mm-hmm. And so you have to trust the process, trust your guys. And if, you know, you're going to have a mandate is that what are we looking for? You know, are we, are, you know, maybe we like this kid in the third round, but he's not going to fit our organization right now for, for what we're building, what our pipeline needs. And then, you know, maybe then you look at moving into a positional situation. Right. And that's going to be interesting. I think that's going to be the conversation that people are going to start having here over the next, um, I guess, like three and a half weeks, three weeks now until the draft, which is crazy. I think. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I want to ask a little bit about. Um, the big two, I think, is what we're going to have a lot of a lot of conversation here in this in this chat with you about Niels Huglander and Vasily Podkolzin. Uh, let's start with a guy who can potentially get to the Vancouver Canucks sooner, and Niels Huglander. Um, he is going to start a season just upcoming here on Saturday, actually. So we're very excited to get that and get to see him in SHL action. Uh, but what have you thought so far of him in the preseason? Because over a point per game for him, we saw that his final preseason game, he was playing on the first line uh, with Rugley, or you can maybe tell me how to pronounce that because I don't know how. Uh, but he was on the first line with them, puts up two goals quickly uh, with them uh, on the first line. So I'm curious, um, initially, what were your thoughts of seeing him play, I guess, on a new season, even though it was just preseason action? Yeah, I think he's looking good. Um, I love Chris that you're uh, you're gifting these uh, these games as well and tracking Corsi numbers because it saves me a lot of a lot of effort <laughs> that I can just go in and see what their what their Corsi four percentage was off of you rather than tracking it myself. Um, but no, I, I thought he looked good. I think that he looks stronger, um, and he's already built like a fire hydrant, right? Um, uh, he's, he's he's not a very tall player, but he's thick, and you know he doesn't mind mucking it up. So I, I thought Pronman gave him like a a 35 for his physicality when he was ranking the, the Canucks prospects in their system there. And, and I, you know, out of a, a 50 would be like an average NHL or sort of thing. Um, it, that's not the case. I don't think for Hoglander, I think he likes, he enjoys engaging physically. Um, he's got that nasty spell to him as well, where he, you know, he doesn't, doesn't mind throwing those Gordie Howe elbows. Uh, so uh, I think he looks bigger. I think he looks stronger. I think he looks more confident. The skating, maybe it's, it's taken a, a little bit of a, a ledge up there, uh, which is what you want to see because I think his hands are, 
his, his skill game basically is is probably tops in the whole pipeline ahead of Vasily Podkolzin. Um, it's the skating that kind of holds him back a little bit. Mm. Um, I think his shot looks heavier. I think it looks maybe a little more accurate too. And it's going to be a situation where if he's playing on the third or fourth line for Rogel, and that's how I pronounce it, I'm not sure if I'm probably doing it <laughs> disservice too. Um, if he's playing on the third or fourth line and he's getting spotty second power play deployment, you know, we're going to be happy if he gets 20 points. If he moves up and he's playing in the top six consistently, um, and he's getting power play one time, maybe a little bit of power play two time, and, and seeing lots of ice and being trusted by his coaches, being out there, you know, when the team needs a goal, uh, then we could see him put up, you know, 35, 40 points in the SHL this year. And that's if he sticks around for the whole season. Obviously, we know he's on, on loan just until Canucks training camp, and then he'll come over, he'll give it a shot, he won't make the team, and then he'll go back. So he'll miss out on a few games probably in all likelihood. But, no, I think Hoglander, I think he's going to be a player. I'm not sure if that's going to be middle six or top six at this point. Uh, I think that the skating will need to come with him that at his, at his size, despite being strong, he, he still will need to get quicker if he wants to be, you know, truly effective in a top six role. Um, but no, it's obviously getting nine points in seven preseason game. That's a great start. Uh, it doesn't mean anything. The, the slate is, is wiped clean now. And on Saturday, we, we start from go. But it's also really interesting is that he doesn't have his buddy Dominic Bach there anymore. Yeah. Um, Bach doesn't have a, Bach doesn't have a contract anywhere. Uh, so he can't be loaned to come over to Carolina's camp. Uh, so he's just basically sitting and waiting, and then he'll go to Hurricanes camp whenever that is in November, and then if, when he gets cut, then they'll try to find him a spot in whatever pro league that is. So um, I, I think Raphael Lavoie, who's an Oilers pick, is, is kind of taking box spot over there with Rogel too. So it'll be kind of fun to see if they mix those guys up and then kind of make a kid line there, or if they just put Hoglander up on the in the top six with uh, with kind of the vets and, and let him kind of run loose. So you mentioned there that you think Hoaglander, from what I from what I gathered there, you think Hoaglander is going to come to camp and then he's going to get cut and go back to the SHL. So my question is, what do you think he'd have to do to make the Canucks out of camp in December? Well, I think there'd have to be there'd have to be things that happen before he arrives. And so you know, the word around the campfire is the Canucks are going to go out and try to sign Markstrom to Foley and Tanev, and then make all the subsequent moves that they need to get cap compliant. Uh, and to me, that means that they're going to have to gut that bottom six because of all that wasted dead space, basically. So if they do that, if they move a Jake Vertanen, if they get rid of, you know, if they buy out Roussel, if they're able to, you know, dump Louis Erickson on somebody or bury him in the minors or whatever, get him to retire. And all of a sudden there's a few winger spots open in that bottom six and he comes to camp and he plays like a player. I think this team has shown that they are willing to give younger guys an opportunity and especially one like him where he's as a European kid to, to kind of set himself up as a loan to come over. He's, he's made it very clear that he wants to come and he wants to make a real push to make this team. And he does bring an element where he does have a little sandpaper to his game, but he also has a lot of skill that if he's going to play 10, 11 minutes a night on your fourth line as a rookie and maybe add that dynamic to a, a bottom six unit that doesn't really have a ton of skill, then that could be really interesting. Again, I don't think that's realistic. I don't think that they're going to have the space for him, and it's probably unlikely that he pushes his way in. But, you know, he'd be coming into camp, and he'd be giving Zach McEwen and Cole Lind and, and these type of players a run for their money for, for kind of that 11, 12, 13 forward spot. But I think it's probably best if he just doesn't make the team. We don't know about the AHL season. It's up in the air how that's even going to look. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of AHL guys are, are already exploring contracts in in uh, Europe this year too, because they're not sure about it. So, you know, if he's not going to be a real player for you, you send him back, you hope that his team, his home team there is going to give him 18, 19 minutes a night, and that's going to be best for his development. And then he can come over for real for 21, 22, 
make a good go. And if he doesn't make it, then stick around in the AHL and maybe he's an up and down kind of bumper guy. Most definitely. And that's, that's the interesting thing with him coming into camp, right? I mean, like the, t- the, the date that they're looking at camp, I think I saw was November 17th uh, for the, for the NHL to start training camps. And his, if I'm, if not mistaken, his loan expires after the December 12th game uh, before SHL goes on a break for two weeks there. So would that be potentially a bad situation because he's going to miss training camp and he almost needs to, to come right into the team and kind of try and impress in practice almost? <laughs> Yeah, I guess we'll have to see if uh, if training camp does start mid-November because they, they obviously have to, a lot of things to iron out. Uh, they're not going to be putting these guys into two bubbles, right? So, so I think that, that December 1st start time for the NHL season is, is very, very much best-case scenario. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I'm not I'm not 100% on this, so I'm just kind of simplifying is that I know that his loan runs till, till mid-December, but I'm not sure if he can leave early. So if they do call him early, I think that he'd still be able to come because it's basically a handshake deal with everybody. Yeah. It's that, you know, uh, it, this is our good young player that we've had in our system for a long time in Rogel and, and he's, you know, a high draft pick and we want to give him an opportunity to go make this club and then feel comfortable to come back and provide production for us. So if camp starts November 17th, all right, see you later, Nils. We'll see you in two to three weeks when you come back after our Christmas break or whatever, however that looks. Um, I, I think that's, probably what will happen but again i think so many balls are in the air right now that we have no idea how this is going to look when the when the playoffs finally end right and i'm wondering if there's a way like i wrote an article recently about a breakout season for neil's Huglander, and i talked about something if he's at you know kind of like two if he's at two-thirds of a point per game that's going to be something that's going to look like a breakout season for him but he comes into the preseason and we talked about it nine points in seven games that's pretty damn impressive. If he were to pull into the into the SHL season with similar numbers and be close to a point per game, um, instead of seeing see you in three weeks, would he be seeing see you never? I mean, if he is there a certain number for you? Because I think he plays in twenty six potential games uh, before that loan is up. Is there is there a number that you kind of have in your mind to say like you know if he puts up this amount of points in those twenty six games, he's going to be an NHL player? Well, I, I mean, if as uh, so, he's going to be a U twenty one this year. He's got the. He's got the December birthday, so he's just a you know a few weeks away from still being a U20 player and still being eligible for the World Juniors. But as a U21 guy, um, if he goes out and puts up over a point per game in 26 games, uh, you know that's that's elite elite production. That's you know Nasland and and Patterson and Kent Nilsson and these are the type of guys that put up over a point per game as, as a as a U21 player. So we don't see it very often. And if he did, that would be an indication that, you know what, yeah, he's probably ready to come across and stick around. But again, he has to have, there has to be a spot for him, right? Mm. Um, just like when Pedersen was ripping it up in his D plus one season, mm. is that I'm sure Vancouver would have been like, yeah, we, <laughs> this kid's ready to play in the NHL. But it was good for him to be there. It was the right spot for him at the time. Just feed him all the first nine minutes, all the power play time, you know, and, and let him find all the success develop a little bit and then come over. And so, you know, Hawklander physically is a little more developed than Pedersen was. So you never know. I think that obviously if he's, if he's got himself 30 points in 26 games, that would be incredible. That would be, uh, you know, top end prospect production. Um, and that would definitely take note that the GM and everyone would take notice in the coaching staff and, and probably look to pencil him into a spot. But again, it, there has to be room. There has to be a spot for him. Speaking of prospects, Cam, and that's what we've been doing this whole conversation <laughs> Vasily Podkolzin, that's another guy a lot of people want to hear about. You know, obviously he can't come till the start of next year, but, or the end of this year, I guess. I told you this a hundred yeah. times. Tap the sign, tap the sign. Um, <laughs> Be my banner. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, how far away do you think he is from being NHL ready, just with like his skill set and how he plays the game? 
You know what, man? He he could be in the NHL right now. He could he be playing. He could have been in the NHL last season, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, his style of game that if as a draft plus one player, he could have been playing on a fourth line in the NHL and been just fine. And and I think that's what we saw with him with Ska is that they weren't they weren't deploying him as if he was just fine for much of the season. He was getting zero to six minutes a night, but when he was on the ice for those six minutes. He was handling himself well. He's physically very strong and mature, defensively almost always in the right position. Uh, and and he has some skill as well. I think that it's fine that he's developing in Russia and that's uh, a good spot for him. It's his home. Um, but I, you know, I, I've been, I've been pushing JD, um, who's my, who's my managing editor at, uh, at Elite Prospects to let me write a piece about deployment and development in the KHL because it pretty much hinges on where you play. So, you know, you look at Vitaly Kraftsoff playing in Tractor or you look at Ellie Tolvanen playing Jokerit. These guys are good prospects and they go to a KHL team that doesn't have a lot of talent in their veterans. Maybe they don't have a ton of money to buy a bunch of these star vets. And so they get top six time. They get top power play time. They go out and they put a ton of points up. Um, Evgeny Kuznetsov, he did the same thing. These are examples of guys that, that have the opportunity and then succeed. And then you look at a team like Ska, which is a perennial contender. They always have a ton of money. The oligarchs just filled up their, their cash supply. They go out and they get all the good players, and then it forces their, their young prospects down the lineup. And, you know, that's not necessarily the end of the world, but if you put Pod Colden in a similar position that Hoglander is in Rogel, he's going to put up a lot more points. Um, and so uh, he's going to be there this season. I don't think the numbers are going to matter. I think they're going to matter to people that are trying to knock his style and, and his upside. And then he's going to come to Vancouver, and I don't think that that's going to be an issue any longer because his skill set is basically exactly what this team needs, is that you put him on Bo Horvat's line, you put him on your second power play unit, you put him on your first or second PK unit, and he's going to be chewing up minutes, and he's going to be impacting the game in a lot of different ways, and the points will start to come too. So um, if he crosses at the end of his season and there's still, there's still NHL hockey coming on, I expect that they'll put him right in the lineup, probably on the fourth line, you know, let him get his feet wet, figure things out. And then we're looking 21, 22. Is that like, I'd be hard penciling him in to a second line role on this team. Absolutely. And we should be very excited for him to get here. And then I, you kind of mentioned a little bit, and that would be an interesting piece. I think if you can uh, twist JD's arm enough to, to write that one on elite prospects, I definitely want to read it. And uh, it's interesting. Cause like we see him now, he's played six games so far in the KHL season, half of those games, he's been under 10 minutes. Uh, but it felt like he earned the coach's trust last year late in the season. I mean, his last 12 games, uh, 11 of them, he played over 11 minutes in uh, after a tough start to the season, like you mentioned, between zero and six minutes in a lot of those games. But it felt like he was getting somewhere at the end of last season. And I see him out on the ice, and it's nothing – he should not be getting benched for the way that he's playing, it feels like. So I'm wondering, like, maybe if he can go a little bit more into how they deploy them in the KHL there. You know, it's it's uh, it's as much a mystery to me too. Uh, is that because you know he got he basically got demoted off the fourth line, and their fourth line was uh, the fun one, right? With Morozov and, and Marchenko, oh, the yeah. kid line, and 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 they were they kind of when they came together at the tail end of last season is when they are, all their numbers start to spike up a little bit. As you recall, Marchenko and Pod Colson basically we were doing the flip flop from the VHL to the KHL last season for much of the year, and then they decided, hey, after the World Juniors, let's just keep them both. And so it's a fun fourth line, but at the same time, the coaching staff don't trust them defensively. And so if they're not going offensively, then their minutes are going to be cut. So, you know, if Scott's up three to one, four to one, that line's going to get some more ice. If they're down three, two, or they're up three, two, and it's a close game, they're going to see little ice. And so 
when he got dropped down to be in the 13 forward there the other day, it was surprising to me because, in my opinion, he was probably the best of that three. Um, Morozov gets a little more ice time because he sees some second power play in a time. Again, I would have put Colden in that spot as a net front on PP2, not a softer skilled center in Morozov. But um, I believe Bragans are coach and he's been around the block a little bit. So I, you know, I won't, I won't rip him too hard, but uh, you know, the next game, then he puts him up on the third line to start and the minutes are still under 10 minutes. So I'm, I'm not really sure what their plan is. I don't know if they're trying to keep his numbers down in anticipation of being like, hey, why don't you stick around for one more year and we'll give you top six time and you know, you'll really develop. Because we know minutes before that he was drafted that they offered him a five-year extension mm-hmm. on his contract, which would have kept him there for seven, seven years, and he shot them down before going to Vancouver 10th. So uh, we know he wants to come over. They probably know he wants to come over. And in that case, you know, a guy like Marchenko, who still has two more years left on his deal after this one, uh, maybe he's got, they've got more plans for him. Maybe Morozov too, because they know they're going to have him around longer. I don't know if the politics are coming into play or if it's just a stylistic thing, meshing with the coaching staff. I, I really can't say. But if it's me coaching and, and taking off the bias of, you know, covering the Canucks, He's the type of player that I would have killing penalties. He's the type of guy I'd have on my second power play as a net front and, you know, be moving up and down the lineup to spark guys because he plays with such physicality. He, when he's out there, he drives hard to the net and he creates those chances. If you put him with some, some older veteran skill guys, they're going to be able to finish up, clean up the garbage too. Yeah, very excited for that. And I know we got to let you run here, Cam. You got to get to a meeting, a very important meeting, but I've been seeing a lot of him on your feed lately. Is Matvey Mitchkov going to be a first overall pick? I've, some of the stuff I've seen him doing is ridiculous at, at his age. Oh. oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. Him and, and Connor Bedard, it's going to be the battle of 2023. I did a, a little, I spent, you know, five or 600 words in, in my Dauber Hockey Ramblings last night, kind of introducing the world to Mitchkov. Uh, he's, he's incredible. He's he's only like five five nine, like 160 pounds right now. So he's a 15-year-old. But uh, he's got electric skills. So, you know, he's, he's going to be pushing. It's going to be a fun race to watch the next three years. And him and Bedard are both, we're talking borderline generational talents. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to load up on, on high-end lottery draft picks, 2023 might be the year to do it. Absolutely. Well, we're excited to follow it and uh, keep the gifts coming, Cam. Thanks a lot for doing this. Yeah, you know, problem with Good chat. And thank you very much to Cam Robinson from Dauber Prospects and Elite Prospects for joining us there. Some excellent conversation about the Canucks' top two prospects and potentially what they could do in this draft here coming up in the future. Because, yeah, we heard a little bit about uh, the rumor that potentially they're shopping for a goaltender with that third-round pick. But we got into it all with Cam. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that conversation. And also want to give a quick shout-out to our presenting sponsors, Zephyr Epic. Make sure to check them out. You heard in the ad where you can find them. Uh, go get some hockey cards. It's a lot of fun opening up. We're, we're going to have some pack openings here pretty soon, I think, very as soon. well. Uh, with Zephyr, they're going to set us up with the New Year models. So, yeah, maybe we'll be looking for that Yolevi rookie card. Maybe we'll be looking for Maybe they'll have a Rafferty card. I don't know what they're going to have, but they'll have some some new Canucks rookie cards. We're going to have to come up with a fun hashtag as well. Hashtag Yolevi jiving. Yeah, we'll think of some other ones. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to quickly dive into the prospects a little bit and just wrap it up because we are seeing... Two very different situations with the Canucks top two prospects right now. Niels Huglander gets time on the first line in his final preseason game and now is, you know, supposed to start the SHL season on Saturday. They'll, they'll get things kicked off on Saturday. That's going to be a lot of fun to follow that one. Um, but Pod Colson is the one I wanted to talk about quickly before we get, uh, before we wrap up the episode. Um, he just played in a game where he started on the third line. The fourth line got scored on three times in the first period, so they moved Pod Colson back down to the fourth line to help out those guys, and then he ends up being sat for pretty much the entirety of the third period. 
When you see that from the outside looking in quads, what are your thoughts on how this development is with the silly pod Colson in the KHL? My thoughts are hashtag free pods. Get them out of there. Like get them to North America as fast as you can. Let him play in a bigger role. He deserves it, right? Like he deserves it. And even on that, on that KHL team, like they could benefit from putting him in a, in a better role. Like they could, it would help them and it would help the player. And it's just frustrating to watch, I guess. Like, man, they, Hashtag free pods. Like, we were on the free Goldie train. Now it's a much bigger conversation. Like, this is more important. Like, free pods trumps free Goldie every day of the week. By a mile. And I think that the the thing we're going to see, which is going to almost hurt us more, because we're going to hear, you know, I'm going to be tweeting about it. Cam's going to be tweeting about it. A lot of these people that cover prospects are going to be sending out their stuff about what they think about Pod Colson and how his season's going. And it's not going great from the standpoint of how he's being played, how he's being used. But I think that's going to come to an absolute paramount at the top when we see what he does with the World Juniors. Craig Button said it on this show. He predicts that he'll be one of the top forwards in that tournament. I've been on record saying I think he'll be the best player in this tournament. Um, you know, there's multiple players or multiple guys like Igor Larionov has said that he should be the captain of Russia on the World mm-hmm. Junior team, which is a huge honor if you look at some of the former captains of the Russian World Juniors team. So if Pod Colson is that and he goes into this tournament and it's very, very, very possible, potentially probable, that we will see Pod Colson be the best player in this World Juniors tournament, if you see that and that's on everybody's eyes, everybody's TV, uh, because remember, that's this one's going to be in Alberta. Uh, it's going to be Edmonton and Red Deer for the World Juniors. So this we're not going to be waking up at 6 a.m. to watch them play. These games are going to be on at 4 yep. and 7 o'clock. This is going to be primetime television. You know, when when we just want to take in as much hockey as possible, the season's going to be starting up. Mm-hmm. The World Juniors is just going to be an absolute show. And Pod Colson has the potential to be the show in that in this tournament. And I think that when we see that, and then we look at, oh, maybe I should look more on what he's been doing this season. And people start to see that, oh, why is he only playing eight minutes a game? Why is yep, he only playing exactly. seven minutes a game? He was dominant in the World Juniors. That's what everyone's going to be saying in December or January, whenever they figure out when they're going to have this tournament. And that's... You know, that's that's tough because, yeah, you want to see a guy develop. And I think Cam touched on it a little bit. He said, imagine Pod Colson in a role like Huglander's in. You know, he said Pod Colson could be in the NHL last year. Yep. And he's improved this year. Yep. Skating's gotten better. A lot of things have gotten better. It's going to be a story that we're going to be following throughout the season. I just hope that, like, I, I want to say that he earns the coach's trust, but I felt like he did that last season because he went from a guy who played two minutes a game to finish the season with his final game, actually playing 24 minutes of ice time in his final KHL playoff game, even though it went to double overtime. But um, so you got a lot of ice time, but anyways, like he played a lot of, t- a lot of minutes later on in the season. And now we're starting to see already three of the six games that he's played so far under 10 minutes. And that's just, it doesn't make sense because he's a coach's dream who does every single thing that a guy like Travis Green would just gush over. He yeah. is going to love Pod Colson when he gets there. Everything that Pod Colson does is at a level that you would like to see if you're an NHL coach. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's tough. Like, is there? Do you think there's like reason why potentially the KHL coach and Ska is doing this to him? Well, I mean, kind of what Cam said, right? Like, maybe they're like, oh, well, we'll give you top six next time next year, right? And he even said, like, they tried to sign him to an extension. He wants to come to Vancouver. He wants to come to North America. So. Like, maybe that's why. Maybe it is just politics that's playing it. Like, that's why he's not getting this time. And, I mean, it is super frustrating because you're right. He is a coach's dream. And, man, like Craig Button even said, when he gets here, it's going to be he's a guy that players are going to love playing with, coaches are going to love playing with, fans are going to love watching him play. And 
you know, sorry, he's going to be exactly what fans wanted Jake Vertanen to be and what some fans still think Jake Vertanen can be, right? Like, that's what Pod Colton's going to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I wonder if they get to a point this year in the KHL where the coach, you know, if, if Scott goes on a losing streak and, you know, they need to make some changes to the lineup, I wonder if the coach, you know, puts his tail between his legs and does move Pod Colson onto the second power play unit out there killing penalties, moves him up in the lineup, potentially into the top six. I mean, their, their top six is good. So I think it's going to be really tough for him to get in the top mm-hmm. six because right now they have like the KHL leading scorer on their second line. Mm-hmm. They have the, the the top point getter on their first line. So like it's, it's going to be hard for him to, to get one of those spots. But like, I don't know if you just if you watch these games and you watch Pod Colson play. He just looks like he's on another level for giving effort. Like mm-hmm. some of these guys that are leading the scoring for this SK, for SKA, like they score goals. They score a lot of goals. They make some pretty plays, but they also get a lot of it from just setting up on the power play and being mm-hmm. like absolute snipers. Like, I don't know. It just seems like, like a very Russian KHL thing. Like they don't give a hundred percent effort when they're playing in the defensive yeah, zone. Yeah. They like to set up pretty plays you know, if, if they get scored on at five on five, it's like, ah, whatever. If, if they get shorthanded goals scored on, it's like, ah, whatever. You know, happen, like a lot of shorthanded goals happen in the KHL. But it just seems like Pod Colson's effort level, it's just, it's a shame to see him be dropped down on the lineup when he's giving that effort level, controlling the puck like he is, and getting scoring chances like he is. It just, it, it makes zero sense to me that, that the coach is making a decision to not use him more and utilize his skill. Like that's, it, it's got to be something some sort of politics in Russian hockey to me. It has to be, right? And I mean, I can't wait till he gets to Vancouver and we get to see Travis Green trust him, right? Like, the, Cam said it. This team has shown that they can trust young guys who deserve it. Like, Elias Pettersson deserved it. Quinn Hughes deserved it. He puts, you know, Travis Green put Quinn Hughes out in three-on-three overtime. He didn't have him on the first power play unit, which was uh, a lot of people, well, Botch uh, was driving that bus and yep. just like, oh, it was so funny. I remember the scrum that ensued and you you were listening to it and uh, and uh, Botch like cut off Green in his answer because uh, <laughs> like Green was just not giving him the good answer. And it was yeah. like not a sufficient answer. Like he's like, oh yeah, I got a lot of respect for Alexander, blah, blah, blah. And Botch is like, yeah, but, and he like cut him <laughs> off and asked another question. Oh man, I love it. I miss that guy so much. Anyways, let's close out the show. Yeah, no, absolutely. I just, I think the one thing I wanted to mention at the end is people are saying, I've heard some people say maybe temper your expectations a little bit with a guy like Pod Coles and Niels Hugliner, potentially with Hugliner you do, because we've seen these super rookies come in like Elias yep. Pettersson and Quinn Hughes um, and, you know, Brock Besser as well in his rookie season. I think that, I seriously think Vasily Pod Colson can have the same type of impact. I think he went 10th overall for this exact reason of the conversation that we just had with Cam, the conversation that we just had post-Cam. I think this is why he went 10th overall because a lot of people that are smarter hockey minds than me that are guys in, you know, roles like a Judd Brackett on different teams, you know, scouting directors. And they all saw that, you know, this might hurt. This is a long-term thing. We're not going to see any real development or progression from him over in the KHL. But what you're going to see is him, when he gets to North America, he's going to be ready. And I, I seriously think um, he doesn't, he's not a guy who's going to put up the points like Elias Pedersen or Quinn Hughes, but he is going to make an impact like a super rookie. People had him in the top three of that draft. Like a, a lot of people had him as like the third best talent in that draft. Well, I think a lot of people have still have him as the top three yeah, talent. Yeah. But he just didn't go that way the way the draft played yeah, out. So. Exactly. Which we'll we'll be talking a lot about uh, Pod Colson and Huglander as the time goes on. I'm still going to have articles probably every two days uh, on Canucks Army, especially with uh, the SHL season cranking up. 
We got some fun stuff planned next week as well. We got some interviews on this weekend that we are very excited to get to. Um, hopefully everything comes through and uh, the interviews get done because it could be a very exciting week for us next week. But we're back to shoe shows a week. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this one little midweek special joined by Cam Robinson. Uh, great conversation with him. Uh, last time we had him on was just to talk about Judd Brackett as well. So it was good to get Cam back on the show. Good buddy of ours. Um, and he does great work covering prospects for pretty much every single website that has prospects in the name. <laughs> um, so we'll wrap it up there. Uh, for David Quadrelli, my name is Chris Faber. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Hello. Thank you for calling Thomas Grant.